Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful we can gather together here and praise you. And God, we just worship you. We thank you for your word that speaks to us. We'll give us words of encouragement that we can see what you're doing, what your word is for us in our lives. And we praise you for that. And we do praise you just a special Sunday morning here that we can give honor to all the mothers that so well deserved. And we thank you for them. And God, we thank you for just a you know, all the time that they put into the family and into the world. And, and and many times it's really not, they don't receive the just praise that they deserve. But, Lord, we do want to honor that we hold them up in high stead. And, Lord, pray your blessing on each mother here, God. And, and we just uh, pray your encouragement to them. And we praise you, God, for this morning. And also I want to pray you just anoint me with the spirit that I could just speak words of the spirit and each heart would be open in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll be looking looking this morning second uh, Thessalonians. Let's look at this second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15. It says this. So then brothers and sisters stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we have passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Now this is, uh, I mean, the Bible, as we understand, we read the Bible, it's written to us. Okay, we, we all know that, and, uh, and God's speaking to us, and deep things of the Lord. But on top of that, I want to make a point here, that this message is really specifically to us, that we each individually can apply this day and time, okay? I mean, this is for us for this day and time in which we live right now. It would be just like God could see in the future and saw our time and say, yep, this is the word you need today. Well, that's, in, you know, that's exactly what he did do. So, but what we see here, he's writing to, and and you've heard me repeat this over and over again, but you know, he's writing to the Thessalonians and basically spend a brief time with them, three weeks, a lot of confusion. So he writes back and he writes these two letters to them. So the reason I bring that up, they weren't necessarily theological uh, giants, all right? <laughs> they were saved, you know, they knew they were saved and they're having the fundamentals together. And he says, okay, guys and gals, you're going to have to face this world and this is how you do it. So he has these two short, short letters. And and it's written at an incredibly difficult time. Now, why I say it's for us, when we look around, and how many of you watch TV or something, you look around and you see the things that are going on, and you think, oh my gosh, what do we do? How can we do this? You know, this is overwhelming. There's no way out of this. And so we're, we can get really, really frustrated and say, this everything is just falling apart. Y'all feel that way? That's why he's wrote the letter to the Thessalonians. They felt that way. See, and so what we want to know and what he told them specifically, specifically is for us. Now, and when I say specifically, it's for us individually. Do, how many of you say, what am I supposed to do? How can I help? How can I change anything? Anybody had that thought? Yeah. Well, what we see here, and God's telling us something very interesting. He goes, 
He said, I'm going to tell you some things. And what you need to do is you need to, God's talking here. This is me paraphrasing. God says, what you need to do is let me run the world. <laughs> That's what he's telling us. Let me run the world. I got this. But in this world, this is what you are supposed to do. So God is asking us not to try to run the world and be frustrated because we can't do it. All right. He's telling us, but I am telling you what you individually can do. And so that means God said, while I'm running the world, if you will just do what I'm telling you to do, you will be cooperating with me to run the world the way I want it. Let me run the world. You do what you're supposed to do. Amen? Having a business, you know, you have, you have engineers, you have accountants, and all the engineers are worried about what the accountants are doing, and all the accountants are worried about the engineers are doing, and they want you to solve the problem. What do you tell them? Be engineers and do what you know to do. Leave the accountants alone. Because they're doing what I've told them to do. And he goes off to the accountants. Listen, leave the engineers alone. <laughs> okay, Do what you're supposed to do. I'll take care of the engineers. So God is telling us something to do today. He's telling the people in Thessalonica, this is what you do now. Now he's telling us this morning, this is what you do. And he goes, and if you do what you're supposed to do, I will make things happen around you and I don't need your help running the world all God's people say amen okay okay so here we look in context we see what happened here he's talking to these folks and give them the basis and releasing them to do God's work and in the context what we have here at this point we've gone through first Thessalonians now we're going through second just about to wrap it up and so Paul has just finished, just finished telling these people <laughs> that all about Satan's inspired lawlessness. So, I mean, that, that's what he just talks about. This is what Satan's doing. This is Satan's inspired lawlessness. Who's doing this lawlessness? Satan. It's bigger than us. And he's telling us all about it. And then with this dreadful, with this dreadful... Uh, view of the future I mean just think about it what's happened Satan and the men of lawlessness are going to take well what am I supposed to do how can I fix that you don't fix that by the way do you remember how the men of lawlessness was destroyed in the future I just want to think about that because it's I mean this is a this unbelievable evil what can we do to undercut it do you remember what God said? Jesus will destroy him with at, the, at his coming. Nobody else can destroy him. It's God's job, not our job. I mean, just the whole point. So here you're telling these people, oh, my goodness, why are we doing this so dreadful? He goes, right then, right after this, comments, Bleak comments of future. He says this. I want to tell you that I want to give thanks for each one of you. You're the beloved of God. 
I mean, that's the next verse. That's the next verse. I want to give thanks to you. You are the beloved of God. Now, so what, what we see here is very interesting. Paul is moving in to saying, this is what you're supposed to do. Jesus will take care of the Antichrist. This is what you are supposed to do. The future, and he said, don't worry about it. This is what you're supposed to do. Now, we're going to go, we just read uh, verse 15. I'm going to go back up now to look at verse 13, 2 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. And Paul, so this is the first verse after he talks about the man of lawlessness. And there's a very, very important word there. And we should really hold on to that because it's really important, all right? The man of lawlessness, and this is what's happening. Okay, what's the first word? I'm really dragging this out because I'm really trying to make a point. What's the first word up there? Say it out loud. What's, what's but mean? It's contrast. It's opposite. It's contrast and opposite. See, so he starts out after talking about this dreadful future. He goes, but, but there's something different for you. God is telling us today in the United States, in this world, but there is something different for you. You watch television and you see all this. You go, oh, my gosh. And God goes, but there is something different for you. And he said, you know, I'm going to rejoice in you because there's something different for you. So read it. It goes like this. But we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. All the things that happen is true, but you. We're going to give praise for you. Why? Why? And this is really important. He draws a contrast between unbelievers and believers. But for you, and the contrast is the mystery of lawlessness, but for you, and here's these four things, but you, and that but you is all of you here in opposed against what's happening in the world. But you, beloved by the Lord. Now process that. How would you like to be beloved by anybody? You know, this is, I wish so-and-so would love me. To be held as beloved by somebody, that's some kind of big deal. You know, go to a wedding ceremony, <laughs> you, you want to be beloved by the other one. You know, it's like, wow, that's kind of that why we're here. But what we see here is that he's saying, we're rejoicing in all this mess and stuff. We're rejoicing in you because what? You are beloved of the Lord. He's pointing to you. The Apostle Paul was here. He'd say, you are beloved by God. And we're happy. We're rejoicing at that. And that verse said, you are beloved by the Lord because God chose you. God chose you. Why are you here? Well, I thought so-and-so said, no, you're beloved of the, God, of the Lord, and God chose you. 
So the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but as beloved of the Lord, God chose you. And we rejoice because he chose you. And he chose you by the act of the sanctification of the Spirit. Now, sanctification means separate, to pull out to be separate. He chose you, and by an act of the Holy Spirit, pulled you out to be separate. The Holy Spirit just pulled you out of this world. There's a verse, I think it's Galatians. He said, he rescued you from this evil world. I didn't feel like it. <laughs> but he said, no, that's what I've done. So, beloved by the Lord, and this is you. This, What do we do in this mess? You're beloved by the Lord. God chose you by an act of the sanctification by the Spirit. And by our subsequent belief in the truth, he works through us. Now, at this point, when you look at this, from God's point of view, from God's point of view, I mean, we look at it from our point of view and stay pretty much confused the whole time. Well, how can God do that? Why, why did God do that? Well, this doesn't make sense. How does this happen? Okay. And that's us helping God run the world. <coughs> Excuse me. So, but what we see here, it's like, no, from God's point of view, he loved us. He chose us. And the Holy Spirit set us apart. That's what God did. Now, we're thinking we did a bunch of other stuff. See, you, he didn't know you didn't do anything. I did it. I did it for you. Let me run the world. But I have something for you. And being set aside by the Spirit. And what is interesting here, from God's point of view, the chosen and the work of the Holy Spirit proceed proceed our belief in the truth. Process that. Most people, a lot of us say, I believed and Christ set me apart. No. I mean, that's good. I mean, but you, you can really get a works mentality out of that. I got to, I got to, and we are to share. But the way it works is that God set us apart. And as he set us apart, and we receive that by our own volition, we receive truth. His truth. His truth. So, the work of the Holy Spirit precedes belief in the truth. God initiates. We respond. I have, I've told this story before. And in fact, I've used it a lot. And I come in and say, you know, I've just been seeking God and I just want to know and I just don't understand. I'm just seeking things and I, I just want you to help me understand. I say, okay, well, first of all, I will help you understand. You're not seeking God. God's seeking you. <laughs> you see what happened? Well, what's happening? Okay. I can share with you what's happening based on what the scripture says. And this is what Christ wants you to know. Your sins are forgiven. See, he sought him. Why is he in my office? I'm just seeking God. And drove by and, you know, and saw Wallace in his office. And, no, that's not what happened. That, that's not what happened. There's a fellow, this was 40 years ago, 
and he's in the Air Force. And he came in, and, he, and people's been in the military and stuff. They move you all the time, every couple of years. And he says, every time God moves me, he puts me beside these, you know, these really kind of fanatical Christians. You know, they're bringing me stuff, talking to my wife, and, and just, I, I just don't have anything to do. But every time I get transferred, there's one of them beside me. Everyone, I mean, they're all over the place. You know, you just run into these people. What is going on? God is seeking you. And that's why I told him. Why are these people irritating me? <laughs> I said, God is putting these because he's seeking you. He sees something in you. He has done so, and he is seeking you. Why? Okay, perfect opportunity. You know, sharing the gospel, it's really hard sharing the gospel, and you've got to really charge and try, and you have all this conflict and stuff. Most of the people that I've had the opportunity to lead to the Lord, it's like picking ripe fruit. You ever seen an apple tree and it has all its apples, you know? Have you, have you seen the apples when they're green? You try to pull a green apple off an apple tree, they're really hard. I mean, it'll break the branch sometimes. But when the apple's ripe, you walk up the apple tree, you put your hand under the apple, and you tap the bottom of it, and it falls in your hand because it's ripe. See, some of us just, we're tired of trying to pick green apples, you know. And God goes, well, you're to pick ripe apples. Pick ripe apples. Who are those people? Because I'm speaking to people all the time, and you need to be aware and have the word to present the word because I've done the work first. Now, a lot of people say we do the work first, okay? And that, have at it. Burn it up, you know? I mean... And it's really, really difficult. And God uses that. The Word goes out. He uses all sorts of things. But he's really given some insight here. It's like everything's falling apart. He's, I know, and I'm going to handle it, but I have something for you to do. And, it, and again, I'm going to go back. What is he saying here? You are beloved by God. God chose you, and by the act of the Holy Spirit, he sets you apart. And now as you step into what he's shown you, he reveals truth to you. Now, I'm not, I know a lot of your testimonies here. How many of you came to know Jesus by somebody beating you over the head with the Bible? How many of you came to know the Lord and said, you know, that's kind of strange how I came to know the Lord. I mean, it was really, it just kind of, it doesn't make sense how I came to know the Lord. You know, that's right. Because the Holy Spirit chose you and spoke to you. And then for something, desiring to see God, desiring God put something on your heart, and you step into it, and then there's a revelation of truth. Revelation of truth. Now, this comes out. So what we have, God initiates we respond. And by the way, I'm not trying to let anybody off the hook from sharing the gospel. In fact, it should give us a lot of encouragement. God initiates, we respond. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. We have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through, by the act of, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. 
See, we're not looking. God is seeking. As we respond to God's touch, we receive truth. We receive truth. God operates in the truth we receive and reveals more truth. Now, wait a minute. You know, maybe this is big sovereignty of God, predestination. I think this is not what this is talking about. I mean, God is sovereign and God moves. But what God's telling you, people come because God touches them. Touches them. And as he touches them, they are open, open to receive the gospel. And until he touches them, they're green apples. Till he touches them, they're green apples. Once he touches them, they're ripe apples, and you just touch the bottom. I mean, I shared the, I was sharing the gospel with one fellow one time, and and as you know me, I like to explain stuff, you know. So I want to explain to him the full understanding, so he can receive the gospel. Well, he wanted to receive Christ before I explained it to him. I mean, it really irritated me. I mean, you can't, you can't accept him until I finish explaining it to you. Well, he did anyway, you know. So, and he had questions afterwards, you know, it was much more receptive. But the point of it is, is you understand the dynamic of God and we have a responsibility and I believe in free will and I believe you know nobody's going to sit before the Lord and say he didn't pick me you know it's like no no so anybody whose heart's open will come to me so it's the same we think the same thing but you have to step back that God is the one who touches God is the one who touches and somehow God touched you at some point in your life and then for some crazy reason he kind of leaves it it seems like he leaves it up to you to continue to want to receive more and learn more and grow and it's like well why don't you just do that because he doesn't do that because we have a free will to accept and a free will to grow. And have you know some Christians don't grow. And they're still Christians. And some Christians just grow like crazy. You know, some Christians grow to a point and just seem like fall away. But if they accept the Christ, they can't fall. They're sealed in the Holy Spirit. They just become, like, if you will, inactive, you know, and don't make a big, powerful impact to the kingdom. But they're still, they're still believers. Amen? I mean, do you think we're going to get in heaven and it's full of people who were just sold out burning for the Lord? Well, I might not make that. I mean, I mean, there's sometimes, you know, I've really made some, you know, bad decisions, you know. No, it, heaven's going to be full of people who've accepted Christ, who've accepted Christ, but never grew. My father accepted Christ, and he was a green apple, 
He was a green apple until he was 83. And, and then when he was 83, I just touched the bottom of it. And it just, I mean, I was shocked. I mean, I was shocked. I mean, here I've been sharing the gospel with him for years. He accepted Christ. You're not, oh, get out of here. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, I couldn't believe it when it happened. It's like, I mean, you did you really? No, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? But the point of it is, I'm not trying to confuse anybody's theology or like that. But I want to understand that we have a power and a freedom in God that God is moving. He's working around us. And God wants us to cooperate with what he's doing. And our level of cooperation with him will be indicative of our desire for him and our growth with him based on our decisions. He's going to allow that. He's not going to make us do anything. I always love to use your children, right? Your children are yours. Whether you can make them do anything or not, they're still yours. Why can't you be like Johnny? You don't want to be like Johnny. You see what I'm saying? It's the same principle. It's the same principle. Now, so this just helps us. It's like, hey, they don't want to hear about Jesus. And you could say, green apple. <laughs> Green apple. You, you don't need to verbalize it. Green apple. I, no, but what you do, you understand what's happening. And that doesn't mean you go back. I shared with my father year after year after year after year. And I tell you what, it was like an apple that was never going to get ripe. Ever. You know. And then to my shock, the last time I was with him, he accepted Christ. Easiest thing I ever saw. I have to tell you what, he's an old country cowboy, and this is how he responded. And he, I told him, went through, and he just stared at me. This is the last time. And I says, what do you think? He said, I think that's the finest thing I ever heard. That was his comment. I thought, well, okay. I mean, I, like, I didn't know how to respond. Like, I didn't know how to respond. And so I left, I got in the car, and he goes, I want to tell you something. I said, what's that? He says, I believed what you told me. I, said, I believed what you told me. 83. See? You just touched the bottom. It fell out. And I'm driving, leaving. I'm leaving. Last time I ever saw I'm leaving and I'm going down the road in New Mexico. There, I go, what happened? Like, what happened there? It didn't, I mean, I was just blown away. What happened? See, that's how, you know, I wasn't, not one time that, oh, look at me, man, I answered all these questions, and I did, it's like, no, God touched him, and I'm driving down the road, and I'm saying, what happens? See, that just puts us in our proper perspective as we move forward, amen? Our proper perspective is we share with other people, you know? I'm not mad at somebody because they're a green apple, you know? I'm not, you know? It, it's just, but I am absolutely now just flabbergasted at the ripe apples. You know, I mean, ripe apples, it's like you go under the apple tree and they just start falling and hitting you in the head. I mean, it's just kind of a different way of understanding. And anyway, and I think it's biblical and that's what he's telling, and that's what he's telling these people right here. So, and so what we have when one... <laughs> When we share the gospel, when someone receives the truth, receives the truth, God will reveal more truth. Now, granted a picture, my dad didn't live long after 83. 
So there wasn't time, a lot of time, a lot of revealed truth. But he had the truth. And he's in heaven, you know, so he had the truth. But I accept that there was not more revealed truth. But he promises and says in the scripture, once you know truth, he reveals more truth. It, all through the scripture. Light unto your feet. You step into light, you get more light. Reveals truth, you get more truth. And so this is what we have here in the next verse. So it's talking about that, the, that we are beloved, chosen by God, sanctified by the Spirit, sanctified by the Spirit, and belief in the truth. When did the belief in the truth came? come? After the act of the Holy Spirit. I got this gospel down because I am so perceptive. Lord is should be excited to have me on his team. No. It's a miracle that I accepted. It's a miracle I accepted Christ. It's a miracle my dad accepted Christ. Now what I wanted to do, I wanted to learn more and learn more, you know. And so I had the more year I had more years than my dad did. To learn. Anyway, so just have a perspective there. Now, so we have this. God's move in what he says, and this is God's move in her lives. Now, look at the next verse, 2 Thessalonians 2.14. And he says, to this, God called you through our gospel. And we're going to go back to verse, you know, <laughs> verse 13. You know, he chose us, beloved of God, sanctified the Spirit. Okay. To this, he called you. What he called you to? To be his beloved. To be sanctified by the Spirit. To be chosen. To this, he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God called us through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Preach your... You don't write this down. I don't. Preaching the gospel is the means through which God completes his call on his people at a particular point in time. Year after year after year after year, God was doing something with my dad, which was driving me nuts because he ever argument I gave to him he turned it around and handed it back to me and I was speechless I couldn't answer his question I could and he there were simple questions <laughs> oh I love this one oh and this doesn't have it but it just tells you him it's so fun and you, I have you know I've went to the dark side and I have an iPad now but used to have a Bible I wouldn't always have a paper Bible and so I read it and read it and it's all tore up and stuff you know I just always reading it and so he asked me he said I have a question I said okay he goes, why can't you finish that book? <laughs> Wait, he just read it all the time. Most people get done. You, do, you just keep reading this one. Why, why can't you finish it? And I'm just going, <laughs> where do you go with that? Oh, he also told me, he said, I saw a guy just like you. How was he just like me? He, he had one, he was carrying around one of those beat up books with him. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was just, I, I mean, it was what, it was just so incredible until, you know, that point in time. 
And that point in time happened that God prepared him however he did it. And at that point in time, I shared the gospel. And just not touching, it fell out. But it didn't fall out until I shared the gospel. He prepared until I shared. So what he's telling us here, this is to this he called you through the gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the gospel that we make that final step to believe. But he has done work with us before we step into that gospel. Just want to get, don't get the cart before the horse. That's all I'm saying here. So what we have, preaching the gospel is the means through which God completes his call on his people at a particular point in time. Calls, he moves, he's sanctified, he's chosen us, we're his beloved. And then at the point where it's ripe and apple, we beat the gospel and it falls in our hand because of the work he did. Work he did. Now, this doesn't mean you don't answer other questions and stuff like that, but we just understand how things are working. It takes a lot of pressure off and really gives you a lot of confidence to share the truth, to share the truth and understand what's happening. At this time, at this time, after we share the gospel, God, the Bible says at this time, God makes us his adopted children. He adopts us at that time adopts us and we are his purchased possession the gospel is shared and once we believe we're adopted and we're his purchased possession. we're his just like your children are yours you know they're not mature they haven't grown up you know but they're yours but they're yours some of them will grow up to be engineers and some of them will grow up to just want to play pool their whole life. I mean, who knows? you don't know. You just do the best you can. But they're yours, you see. So they have a choice, but they're yours. Okay. So here you have this whole view. Now, so, so, we, have it, everybody, so we have it here. So you have this view, beloved, chosen, you know, beloved. Stepping into the truth, you share the gospel, touch the bottom, it falls into your hand. Now we're back to the verse we opened up with. Second Thessalonians 2.15. So we look at this again. Now this is important. We say, look at the first two words there. So then. Okay? And I know I'm making a big point, but I think it helps people to understand you feel a confidence what's going on. Again. Beloved by the Lord, God chose us, sanctified by the Spirit. Now, because we step into the truth, we become God's adopted ones, His purchased possession. Hallelujah. Now, so then. So then doesn't come to first. So then comes after. So then. You don't know. So you are also then already. Okay, so this is what God's telling me and you. So then, in this crazy world we live. So then. Because of God's foreordained work and Satan's opposing current evil work of lawlessness, God has given us the responsibility to stand firm. Any of you, what am I supposed to, your job, your family, your church, what are you supposed to, you're supposed to 
stand firm. And that's what this verse says. You stand firm. So God has given us that responsibility to stand firm. And so we stand with loyal steadfastness, holding to the teachings of scriptures. Right there it is. Hold fast to the teachings of scripture. That's what he's telling us. Now, so when we look at this, brothers and sisters, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, we are responsible to stand firm and proclaim Jesus. Whatever the deception or pressure, we are to stand firm and hold fast to the teachings of Jesus. As the world pours out lies, we remain immovable and clean to the doctrines of Christ. Is it? Well, no, that's it. And then God will move in the thing. We stand firm and hold to the doctrines of Christ. And God says, I'll move. I'll move. And I don't like to bring up any like current issues because you're like picking and trying to explain everything that goes through. But some of these things cause our confusion and what are we to do and stuff like that. Well, it's right here. You stand firm and hold to the teachings of Christ. That's what this verse says. This is what he's telling them. I didn't make this up. This is just what he said. And so it's like, okay, I'm telling you, and, and this is a fact, you can choose your gender, okay? Not only are they sinning, they're demanding that we participate in their sin. I mean, come on, you sin. Don't make me participate in your sin. Well, who are you? I'm nobody. Well, why are you being so steadfast? Why don't you have a look at why? Because God says, stand firm in the truth. Stand firm in the teachings of Jesus. That's what you do. But the world, God will take care of. You stand firm and hold to the teachings of Jesus where you are putting things about you know all of a sudden we want to educate everyone in elementary school about homosexuality and put that you know it's like but aren't you loving don't you love them to death you know like that come i would love to talk to them for hours and hours and hours you know I, I mean, I I personally love green apples. I mean, just they just talk and talk and talk, you know, and they keep coming back. You know, ripe apple, they come and then they go and they do stuff, you know, and not as quite as interested in what I have to say. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But it's like, wh- what? Why do you have this view on homosexuality? What? You know, this is what the Bible says. I stand firm in the teachings of Christ. Don't you love them? Yeah, I mean, I find, I, again, I love talking. If you meet them and don't have time, well, so just send them in. I love to talk to them, you know, like that. Wouldn't accomplish much, but I would love to talk to them. But the point of it is that, that you go, it's not what I think. This is what God said. God said this. You know, I, I don't, I, I mean, he just said it. And therefore, because he said it, he says, I need to stand firm on it. When I read the Bible, God never told me to evaluate 
the Bible. God told me to obey the Bible, not evaluate the Bible. See? And so it's really simple. I have to, I'll tell you these, I get carried away sometimes these stories. You can, I remember talking to this lady, and again, she's homosexual and came in and she had a homosexual party. They got a divorce but had a child and they're trying to do with the child. And they came and talked to me and I'm going, gosh, you know, and she didn't, uh, and, and the one lady that wasn't a believer did not care for me, like on sight, didn't care for me. And we actually talked through it and had several meetings, and she said something very interesting. And, you know, it, and I, I, you know, made a point, I, I, I don't have anything against you. I mean, I don't have anything against you personally or anything, but I don't believe, I, I don't agree personally with this behavior because of what the Bible says. And so stay, and so she walked away with that and, and she said this to him. We kind of closed the kind of meeting of the mind after s- several meetings today. And she said this to me. I was a, and this is a compliment. You know, non-believer, homosexual lady, you know, and talking about with this other girl, that lady that actually became a believer and a child. And, and I, we settled it. And she said, okay. She said, well, you are a nice man. Neanderthal, but nice. (laughs) So I take nine. I mean, that's okay. Being a nice Neanderthal, but she would still talk to me. You know, we would. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, you. This is just what God says, and this is the truth. And because God has said, we have to stand firm on the teachings of Christ. We can't switch this and evaluate it and come up with our own scripture. God did promises to bring judgment on us personally if we do that. We can't do that. So we have a responsibility. And, and, but see, that's all. Over. How am I going to solve this world problem? You, know, no, you just make a stand on what God told you and say, this is what I believe because what God said. See, well, it's this or what God said. That's really simple. If I believe it, it's what God said. I don't care what the this is, because the this is not true, you know. And God says, this is not true. You stand firm. Isn't it interesting, the word that Paul uses in this room? Again, he's been talking about the Antichrist, destruction of the world. He goes, but you stand firm and hold fast. Isn't it interesting? He says, and hold fast. word means cling to the teachings of Christ. You hold. See, you hold. That's our responsibility. That's all our responsibility. And if we don't do that, we fail to do what God called us to do. Hear it. Now, so <laughs> what you, when you hear this, and so we understand that whatever comes up, whatever deception, whatever pressure, we are to stand fast and hold to the teaching of Jesus. Whatever the pressure Stand fast, hold to the teachings of Jesus. As the world pours out lies, we remain immovable and cling to the doctrines of Christ. See, one of the things that really irritates the world about us is it remain immovable. We just move. Why? Because of Jesus. 
well, you must. No, this is the truth. We don't have any choice. Now, we do have a choice, I guess. You know, but once you've accepted Christ, you don't really have a choice. A lot of, you know, even the Bible talks about the end times and said, when Satan moves, says, even the elect will be deceived. See? So we have a choice to stand, and it's before the Lord. We're supposed to stand before the Lord based on what He said. I always share with you, I love kind of elaborating, telling stories and stuff like that. But that's kind of fluff. You know, take it or leave it. But the word, you have to take it. To be a believer, you have to take it. It is God's word. And who are we to try to adjust it? How dare we even have the thought to adjust it? See, it's what God said. It's what God said. You want one more story? I don't think I've actually told this one. But, but, but I won't make a point because it was an overreaction by my part. It was an immature reaction by my part. But however, the point was correct. <laughs> it was correct. But I didn't handle it well, and I could have gotten it different. But when I first came to know the Lord, and you know the history, reading through the scriptures, I came to know the Lord through the Bible, read the Bible two times before I ever went to church. And so I believe the Bible was the Word of God. And it was the Word of God. And so therefore, without going to church, I believe it's the Word of God that every word was the Word of God. You know, not some of them. I just had that belief, never going to church, every word. And I went to, it's like a... New believers class. I've never told you all that. I won't even tell you where it was. It was a liberal church. I didn't know it was a liberal church. It had a steeple. They're all good, you know. I mean, it's like, so, so I went, so it was a new believers thing. So I'm sitting in there, oh boy, we're going to read the Bible. I've never been with anyone else who read the Bible. I'm the only one who read the Bible. I wasn't even sure anybody else read the Bible. But I did. So we're there. So I'm just saying, oh, this would be fun, all these people talking about the Bible. So the guy made some comments, you know, that is the pastor, is a senior pastor. So so he made some comments. And um and people would start talking, and you know, all over. Somebody brought up about Moses crossing the Red Sea. I mean, this thing's going all over the place. I'm just sitting there, you know. I mean, I have never been in the company of any believers. I mean, I'm just like, wow, you know, that's interesting. And so, and so this says, what about Moses crossing the Red Sea? I just don't see how that could happen. You know, and the, he said, well, let me tell you. I said, well, the pastor, he'll tell you. Because I already knew. I mean, I knew. I read it. I knew. God parted the Red Sea and they crossed. So I knew, you know, but it wasn't my place to interject. And I said, so I'll just wait to pastor set this guy straight. And he said, well, he says, those things are metaphorical. I said, well, what in the creep is metaphorical about this? And then I was thinking, I said, well, well, okay, we'll give him a shot. And he said, what really means, it means a different place, and it remains, you know, it was just shallow, and they walked across it, and so to promote the miracle and to encourage the Jews, they kind of developed a legend, and they actually walked. Now, I'm in church, and the pastor's leading this. 
And so they just, they just waited through it. Well, like I said, I read it. <laughs> and I said, well, pardon me. I said, it says it stood up like a wall. And they went through it. And then it says the Egyptians came over and it crashed and they all drowned. I said, that's more than wading through. And then he said, well, those are just legends that put it through the scripture. Now, here's what happened. Anybody knows? I don't get mad. I really don't get mad. I hardly ever get mad. Mitch, don't <laughs> laugh. Don't laugh. He's not, he, no, I don't often, I don't often get mad. I don't often, but when I, so I let it boil up, you know, and so when I get mad, I get really, really mad. I always understand, and you know, I get mad. People say, you see people, I say, they get mad and they get over it. No, I get mad, I stay that way. You know, I mean, you need to marinate in it. I mean, if you wait long enough, you just need to kind of bask in your, but, I get, I, I get, I get mad. I get really mad, and I'm just confessing sin. I mean, we're, so when he told me that, and I didn't mean. I mean, it's one of those kind of responses. I stood up, and I stood up. I don't know these folks, and I addressed this pastor, and I had my little red Bible, and I put it in his face, in his face, like an inch from his nose. And I said, it is real clear what God said in the Bible. Evidently, you don't know, but it says it here. And then he said, now, 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 son, sit down. I said, don't you tell me to sit down. Hell, well, you'll have to leave. Anybody leaving here, it's you. That's a pastor of the church. I mean, I would kind of upset somebody. You ask a pastor of the church to leave their church, and it's you. And I said, what you're telling is an absolute, total lie. Because I read it, and that's not what I said. It's a lie. And you're lying to these people. Well, I'm just trying to explain. You don't explain. It says what it says. I have the Bible. I believe the Bible, and not you. And it was a wall of water. And I left. Now, that wasn't necessarily salvation statement that I should really be worried about or somebody have a different opinion. But what I'm saying, I had an opinion at that early, early age. Every word was true. How dare you <laughs> tell me it wasn't. You've been to school, but evidently you didn't learn anything. Didn't learn a thing, you know, because I got the source document. You see what I'm saying? Now, all I bring that up is what I'm saying. This is true. God says, stand firm and hold clean to the teachings of Christ. Now, that's what I did. Now, there's much better ways to diplomatically to handle things like that. Anyway, and I wasn't invited back to the study either, so like that. Now, so all I'm saying here, but this is, so this is what God is telling us. This is really what God is telling us in a more mature way. Stand firm. Cling to the teachings of Christ. All this, but 
They think, I don't care what you think. I don't care. The Bible says this. I mean, to me, it's that simple. That's from day one. And that's one thing I learned and one thing I always held on to. It's the truth. Everything in there is true. Every word is true. I may not understand every word, but every word is true. And you cling to it. You cling to it. Amen? Stand firm, cling to it. So I come in here, hey, I, I want to be a woman today. Where? Have at it. You know, can I come to you? Sure, I don't mind. You know, okay, you call me Mrs. No. no why? Because you're not. That's why I'm not. You can sin. I just don't want to be a part of it. You just, I, just, I just don't want to be a part of that. I'm homosexual. I'm going to bring my partner in. Can we come? Sure, that's all right. I don't have any problem. All right. Well, we won't come in. And we'd like for you to marry us. No, like I can't do that. Why? I just, because the Bible says it's one man, one woman. And that's why I do it. Well, that's unloving. No, that's not. It's just what God says, and I do what God says. And I'll be glad to. I mean, you can come if it, it's not me thinking with it. It's just what God says. I don't have any choice. And I just said, and I go, because I read the book. See, that's just me. Yeah, I just, I read the book. That's all it is. I read the book. And even at an early age, I didn't care what anybody said. Pastor, well, evidently, the pastor, you know. <laughs> Somebody told me I forced him to early retirement. But anyway, that was good. But anyway, so here's the whole view. But one, the whole point I'm making here has nothing really to do with me, but has everything to do with all of us. What? does it say what does it say i don't i really really don't care what anyone else says now i have opinions there's opinions in there and it's like okay that to go on but to say the word doesn't say it i don't agree with it you can't do that amen so all this so what are you making such a big deal with it because I think Paul's making the deal, big deal with it. He's going. If the apostle Paul was here and he sees this whole situation, he'd go, stand firm, cling to the teachings of Christ. That's what, that's what he tell you right then. I mean, it kind of solves everything right there. And be loving, kind, and don't wave your Bible in somebody's face. <laughs> you know, be more mature how you approach things and stuff like that. But your conviction... You stand firm. I don't know if I should say, well, I'm going to say it anyway. I guess because you said the Spirit. And, and what happens, you're going to happen, and it'll get close in work situations, school situations, and we say we become the epicenter. I mean, I just can't believe it. Was there? But it becomes in family. You have members of the family. No, this is what I believe. Well, you're part of the family. I love you. That's not the truth of God. And I will stand on the truth of God against any member of my family. That's what God's telling you to do. He's telling you, well, I, will. I love you, so I'll fudge on this one. You can't. You can't. God says you can't. And so, 
And, and so he's, he's giving us a real insight of how we can stand strong and to know that God's working and for God to accomplish everything he wants to accomplish, we need to stand strong where we are. Let God solve the world, but we need to stand strong where we are. And so stand firm, don't be afraid. So the next two verses is this. Now may the Lord, Paul's talking to them. Okay, you got this, stand strong. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. You stand fast. God comforts you. God establishes you. See, Paul says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who loved us, who gave us eternal comfort, also give you comfort and establish you. What he's done for me, I want him to do for you. That's what he's done. And so here's the picture here. God, as God carries out his purposes... Jesus himself will sustain and give us comfort. Our faith must remain immovable as we cling to the doctrines of Christ. And Jesus will use that. Faith is a witness to others. Not what we told them, what we did. We stood. Because we believe we stood. As for an explanation, I believe what God said. Like my dad said, I believed what you told me. That's all he said. I believed what you told me. Death to life. See, every single word, well, there's no overhead for this, but I'll share it. And, and I think it's, you know, it just shows the interaction of the body. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, it says this, The God of all comforts comforts us in all our afflictions, comforts us in all our afflictions, so that, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with, with, with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted. How can you say this? Because he did it for me. That's the only reason I said it, because he did it. For me, <laughs> dear poor pastor, don't tell me that's not the truth. Did it for me. Of all things, don't ever do that. Did it for me. See, it's just me and God. For what he told me. And so that's the whole thing. Therefore, as God is carrying out his purposes, we stand firm and we encourage others to stand firm. How do we encourage others to stand firm? We stand firm. I mean, in these days of evil, we are light and darkness. We are light and darkness, but we have to stand firm to be a light and darkness. And we hold fast to the teachings of Christ. And it will close with this. I think I have another over here, but I'm closing with this. Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, because of everything we said, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, like today, the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Okay? It doesn't take a great theologian to stand firm. Believe what it says, 
understand. And I always say, I love sharing with people, but I am a secondary teacher. Secondary teacher. Jesus is a primary teacher. You want to hear the word, total truth, you go to Jesus and he speaks. Do you know what it says in Matthew? Which is, you know, he says, don't call any man teacher. Jesus said, I'm the teacher. Amen? Let's pray. Hey, Heavenly Father, you know, we're encouraged by this because you are at work, you're doing great things, and you're just saying to us, stand firm, hold to the teachings of Christ. Individually, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, stand firm, hold to the teachings of Christ. And so, God, we look to you, and we thank you that somehow, someone, you touched us. We responded. Holy Spirit brought us to a point. And then someone shared the gospel, and we received and responded to the work you have already been doing. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.